When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and I got a good episode for you guys today. We're going to talk about reversing the trade just because you get stopped out of a trade should you get short on that same exact trade. Basically, what I'm being asked here is like, hey, if I get long on a trade and the stock goes against me and it hits my stop loss, does that mean it's bearish and that I should get short on it? That's what I'm going to talk about in today's podcast. And the name that I'm going to be giving to the person for this podcast is Cooter. Good old Southern Florida redneck name, Cooter. And Cooter writes, Brian, sorry about your Miami Dolphins. Yes, I am a Miami Dolphins fan and they suck right now. He says, my question is this, what indicators should I look at or how do I know when to buy when a stock breakout is underway and how long should I wait to enter the position? And my second question is this, when one of my stocks goes the other way and hits my stop loss, how risky is it to short the position that moment I sell it? Cheers, Cooter. Now, technically, when you're shorting stock, you're selling it. So it's basically like a double sell here that he's talking about here. You're selling it because the stock that you have bought gets you stopped down, and then you're selling it again or shorting it because you think the stock's going to keep going lower. Now, what am I drinking? My choice of drink comes from Old Smoky, Tennessee, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, in fact. It is Mountain Made Cookies and Cream. Now, here's the disappointing part. It's 17.5%. Now, I have a rule. I can't give anything that's less than 40% above a 5. And this one falls far below of 40%. This comes in at 17.5%. That makes it 35 proof. Basically, the proof isn't even higher than the required alcohol content in order to get above a 5. So, it's kind of a spoiler, but it's not going to be above a 5. Now, I'll tell you this. When I drink it... It's pleasing. It's tasty. It tastes like cookies and cream. That's what they label it as, cookies and cream. It's like a liqueur. They, they market it as a liqueur. But because it's from Old Smoky, Tennessee, i got to give it a shot, right? I like the moonshine or some of the moonshine. And the cookies and cream is good, but it needs to be mixed with something. And I don't really know what you would mix that with. I feel like almost you have to drink it by itself because it has such a strong flavor to it. I even tried mixing it with some Fireball Whiskey. There was too many problems there. It was like spicy, 
with a fireball taste, but you also had the sweet cookies and cream taste. It just didn't seem to match. The one thing it actually did work in is my wife was eating some Count Chocula cereal. Yes, Count Chocula. That's straight out of the 80s. And uh, I saw her eating, and I thought it'd be cool to just pour some of it in there. And she gave me this real quizzical look, but then she was like, eh, it's not bad. So maybe it works for Count Chocula cereal, this old smoky Tennessee cookies and cream liqueur. So my score is going to be a 3.8. I can't go any higher than that. I mean, it's better than Southern Comfort, I'll tell you that. And a lot of the whiskeys that I've reviewed on here, I'd rather drink that instead. It's almost like a rum chata. And rum chata actually does go good with Fireball Whiskey. It gives you like a cinnamon toast crunch flavor. So back to the email here. He asks a lot of questions in this particular email. He's asking about indicators. He's asking about breakouts and when do you enter them? And now a lot of these would take many episodes to cover. So the main part of this, and I'll get to it towards the end, will be reversing the trade because that's probably the more unique question that he's asking here. As far as indicators, I will use indicators for myself, but I don't rely on them. They should supplement your trading. You don't want to rely on indicators. And a lot of people do. A lot of people think that those indicators are what makes or breaks your trading. And if you've been doing it for a long enough, you'll realize pretty much every indicator is a function of or a derivative of price and volume. That's all it is. It's just creatively displaying it in a different way. So you want to remember that. You don't want to be basing your decisions off of a derivative of price and volume when you can just go and learn how to read price and volume itself. So your main focus as a trader really should be understanding price and volume. And a lot of people say, well, that's what everybody has access to, but it's what most people don't even look at or at least really dissect the way that they should, performing the good technical analysis on it that they should, evaluating risk and evaluating reward on those charts. Instead, most people will say, oh, man, this stock has rallied 100% in the past week. I'm going to get long on it now. That, that's not what you want to do. That's usually how most people look at price and volume. And usually it's just price. But volume is important, too, because more times than not, it's important to have volume pouring into a stock when it's breaking out. And when it's not breaking out on strong volume, you're increasing the chances of there being a head fake on that trade. So you do want the volume. That doesn't mean that you can't play breakouts on below average volume because they can work and work often. But the odds increase as the volume increases as well. So follow the price and the volume more so. Use the indicators as a supplement, not something that you rely on, but as a supplement, it's like almost like a confirmation. Like, hey, I'm looking at getting in at Home Depot here at $350 a share. It looks pretty solid right here. Let's see what the indicators do too, because price and volume looks amazing. And then you say, okay, the RSI is doing well. The MACD is doing pretty well. It's coming off of oversold conditions. Yeah, I think this is pretty good. And especially the indicators are helpful too when you're trying to decide between, let's say if it's Home Depot and Lowe's. Well, okay, let's go look at the indicators and see how those line up. You know, let's see which one's telling the better story. But in the end, it's got to be price and volume and not the indicators that drive your trading decisions. Now, the indicators that I put on my charts, and I've actually just added two new ones, not because I needed to, just because, like, hey, I had some extra real estate on my charts. Might as well add a couple of indicators on there. I added the MACD, and I added the RSI. So both of those are on there, and I've always had stochastics on there because I do like to follow how oversold or overbought a stock is. Sometimes when a stock is, like, 99 overbought or 3 oversold, that will oftentimes be 
something to help supplement my decision making when it comes to buying a stock when a stochastics is at 99 or shorting a stock when the stochastics at three, because oftentimes when you get into those extreme levels and it's going to be readily obvious on the chart when it gets to those levels. So it's important to make sure that you're not getting in on a long position on extreme conditions. Like for instance, right now, VOYA is a chart that is very, very overextended. It's run like 14, 15% in the last few weeks and it's had nothing but green candles but it did break through some key resistance that to a new trader might seem like, oh, this thing's about ready to break out. But is it? Because it's already made this huge run and there's a good chance it's going to pull back to some kind of support level before it takes that next leg higher. So it's better to wait for the pullback, get in at a lower price before taking that, that next push higher there. And while stochastics can tell you just how overbought a stock is, enough time of price and volume, you don't even need to look at stochastics to be able to know that it's overbought. I mean, most of the time, I'm just looking at it as a more of a reference point just to how overbought it is, not to actually see if it is overbought. I mean, I can look at any chart, tell you any day of the week whether or not a stock is overbought or oversold or somewhere in between. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. But yeah, I like the RSIs too. I like the MACDs. I mean, I like the RSIs and the MACDs just from the standpoint of if I'm looking at a bounce play here and the stock's been hovering around a key support level, trying to get that momentum building up to be able to bounce higher, I want to be able to see... Is the MACD, is the RSI starting to show signs that it's wanting to go higher? Is the MACD and the RSI seeing any kind of like crossovers or any kind of pushes back to the upside? That's sometimes how I will do that. But I have to have, before I even look at those things, I have to have price and volume confirmed that there is a trade set up there. A lot of people, are too, are using volume-weighted average price indicators. That's VWAP for short. Those can be pretty good, too. I use them more as like a moving average if I use them. But those can also become quite handy at times. It really, it comes down to this. You don't want your strategies to be based off of the indicators when you can base them off of what the indicators are based off of. You follow me? If you don't need to follow MACD and RSI is what you make your decisions off of when you can go to price and volume, which is what the RSI and the MACD and all these other indicators are based off of. You go to the source and so the more that you rely on price and volume, the better off you'll be. Now, before I get into breakouts, remember to check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. This is a great, great platform for you to get all of my market research each and every day. This stuff has everything that you need to be a successful trader. You're going to get each and every day my list of daily setups that I'm following, the most intriguing charts that I come across each day. I'm going to send those out to you. You're also going to get weekly updates on all the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, Tesla, and you're going to get updates on the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, the Russell 2000, not to mention my weekly watch list, my master watch lists that I work all my setups off of. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Now about the breakouts. Now I won't spend a ton of time on this because there's a plenty of episodes where I've talked about this, but it doesn't hurt to go back and reinforce a lot of what I tell you. That's why I don't mind repeating myself on podcasts 
because the more often you hear it, the better off you're going to be because you can lose a lot of details just listening to a podcast. Yes, you'll get the gist of what I say in a podcast, but that doesn't mean that you're going to remember everything. So reinforcing those things can't hurt anybody, right? Now, the breakouts are always fickly. You have to go into breakouts knowing that you may get a head fake. That's just part of the game. Head fakes happen. And I know as hard as we try to not be victimized by a head fake, and when I talk about a head fake, a stock that breaks out and then goes right back down. As much as we want to avoid those, they're going to happen. I have one in my portfolio right now. I don't know for sure if it's going to be a head fake, but it broke out pretty nicely. Airbnb, ABNB, the symbol. But the last couple of days, it's just pulled back some. Now, it hasn't broken my trade thesis at all, but I'm a little bit concerned about it at this point in time. So you want to remember that. You can't avoid head fakes entirely, but that's why volume is important. Also, what's important is to make sure that you're looking at the chart from a standpoint of is there a history of head fakes. If you see this huge resistance level that it's trying to break out, and you've seen in the last two weeks, it's tested at eight times, and seven of those times it's gone above the resistance level, but by the close, it's gone right back below the resistance level. Well, that's a sign that it's struggling to break out. So that tells you right there that there's a lot of head fake potential there. And so you want to make sure that you take a more cautious approach to the trade. Maybe that means waiting towards the close to make sure that it's going to finish the day above the resistance level before getting long. And then, and I think this is the most intriguing question about Cooter's email is that he says, should I go ahead and short the stock when I get stopped out? And I've thought about that too. I was like, man, I should just go short. But no, because I think really then you're setting yourself up for a disaster because when you get stopped out of a trade, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to keep going down. I have plenty of stocks that when I get stopped out of it, they go back up. Does that mean it was a bad time to get stopped out? No, not necessarily. Sometimes it just means it's going to consolidate there. But what a stop loss really means, not that it's a bearish stock all of a sudden, it means that your trade thesis has been ruined. The reason why you got into the trade no longer applies to the trade at hand. So therefore, you're getting out of it. If your trade thesis is still valid, then you stay in it. The stop loss represents where does the trade thesis not validate itself anymore? Where is it no longer a valid trade setup? And that's where you want to put your stop losses at. That's why I'm against trailing stop losses that I've talked about a number of times in previous episodes. I don't like them because it doesn't invalidate trades when they necessarily get hit. So stop losses should invalidate a trade, not necessarily be a signal for getting short on the stock. And so you don't want to be shorting a stock just because you got stopped out of your long position because it might not be a short setup there anymore. Now, that doesn't mean that applies to all cases. Yes, you may get stopped out and all of a sudden there's this magnificent head and shoulders pattern that is formed and, and it may justify you getting short on the stock. That's okay, but don't blindly get short on a stock just because you got stopped out of it. What that comes down to is revenge trading and revenge trading equals emotional trading. And I would be willing to guess that Cooter's reason for wanting to get short is because he doesn't like getting stopped out. And when you don't like getting stopped out, you want to revenge trade and you want to make that money back rather than just taking that money that you still have and applying it to your next trade and trying to use the same risk management positions that got you out of the previous trade in hopes that you can ride a winner that not only makes up those previous losses, but goes way, way higher. If you're going to get short because you got stopped out of a trade, that doesn't preclude you from having a valid trade set up on hand. There needs to be a trade thesis, just like there was a trade thesis that made you get long on the trade. And when it was invalidated, you got out of the trade. There needs to be a reason why you would short the stock after getting stopped out of it from being long. There has to be a setup there. You just don't do it because you got stopped out. And if you get stopped out, it has to go down. No. Oftentimes, stocks will go right back up. And then all of a sudden, you're shooting yourself in the foot unnecessarily. You're taking an unnecessary loss. So to wrap it up, 
some of the indicators that I like to, to use, but I don't rely on them for my trading decisions. They just supplement trading. And most of the time, I don't even reference them. That's the MACD, the, the RSI. They're pretty popular. The stochastics, you can get them anywhere. Volume weighted average pricing. That's a, like a moving average that a lot of people put on their charts. They can be helpful. Breakouts, you want to be careful about head fakes by looking at volume and whether or not there's a history of the stock unable to break through that resistance and closing back below it on previous attempts to break out. Check that out. Also, make sure that you're not operating under the belief that you can avoid head fakes completely because pretty much every losing trade on a breakout is probably the result of a head fake. So unless you're trading 100%, you're going to have head fakes. And make sure that you're not just getting short a stock because you got stopped out of it. That's revenge trading. There needs to be a setup there because getting stopped out of a stock doesn't necessarily mean that it's bearish now. It just means that your trade thesis for why you were long is invalidated. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to like and subscribe and make sure to sign up for swingtradeinthestockmarket.com because you're going to get a lot of great research there each and every day of the trading week. Plus, send me those emails, ryan at shareplanner.com. I greatly appreciate those. I base my episodes off of them. So I want your questions. Keep sending me those questions. Ryan at shareplanner.com. Make sure to leave a five-star review if you find it in your heart to do so. Thank you guys and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Shareplanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Shareplanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. 